there's a lot of sort of tick box things, you know, here's a counseling service for you, here's a whatever. I think there's very few, and obviously we go right through to gym membership, to meditation, to back massages. They're all done in the spirit of wellness and well-being. There's nothing wrong with them, except they have no RRI. They have no return on investment. I really don't think they're getting it. And I think that organizations need to think a lot more carefully about where, where both sides are going to get benefit. Not only the employees, the employer too. And I think that's the space. Engagement was all about the employer. Some of the wellness stuff is all about the employee. You've got to find something that wins for both. This is My Product Tested, the show that unpacks how successful founders have tested their way to the top and all the market validation that happened along the way. In studio, as always, from the hype team, Miles Hofak and Cameron Polder. And here in studio this week, Nick Marks, CEO and founder of the wellness platform, Friday Pulse. Nick and his founding team have spent the last 10 years building a product on a mission to improve the world of work by tracking experience. Nick himself is a top founder, boasting an array of impactful businesses here to help people around the world. TED Talk speaker and developer of the Happy Planet Index, receiving the Betterment of Humankind Award in 2008, a man that has achieved 17 hit singles short of Elvis Presley, with his happiness manifesto book placed number one on the Kindle single charts and now joining us in studio today. Welcome to the studio, Nick. Thanks very much. <laughs> Welcome, Nick. Good to have you. No, I've not been compared to Elvis before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. No, Thank you. Solid I intro. Mean, you you're now uh, almost 10 years in um building a an absolutely epic product and i think um you know the one thing is kind of understanding how people can better themselves from a mental health perspective and you know specifically in corporates over the past uh, two and a half three years with the acceleration of COVID and what that's done from uh, a work ethic and you know burnout perspective you now have these metrics being kind of tracked and you know almost 10 years in of building a, a beautifully aesthetic product and a, a really strong powerful mission that you're pushing out into the world but you know for everyone listening what today is friday pulse so friday pulse is a i guess a people platform that measures and improves team happiness so we take a well-being perspective, but we, we take it a little bit more emotional by calling it happiness. And we also make it more social by talking about the team. Most well-being products are focused on the individual. Uh, so so that's, our, that's our take on it. So basically the way it works and why it's called Friday Pulse is we ask people at the end of every week, how was their week? Were they very unhappy to very happy? And we build metrics and conversations around that. Okay. And I mean, you're looking at your background um, and we'll, we'll get deeper into the product and how these sort of surveys work because there's, there's, a, there's a fine line between being intrusive and asking someone, you know, how they're feeling and, and kind of being that, you know, shoulder that they can lean on and asking these questions, you know, how, how are you feeling? Is there anything you can help with and they can do to make your life better in, in the specific workplace? But just looking at your background, you know, um, a Cambridge alumni studying psychotherapy and then mathematics and kind of leading down almost 25 years later to this product 
is uh, is this kind of past experience led you on this long roadmap to to where you are today? I mean, totally. I, it makes sense looking backwards. I don't think it made much sense going forwards. But um, but you know, I, I'm a statistician by trade. Uh, you know, I went to Cambridge to read maths and discovered I was not a mathematician. Mathematicians are very pure and abstract. I'm very practical, and I did lots of data on quality of life through my 20s, 30s. I also trained as a psychotherapist. As you said, my mother was a family counsellor, kind of liked her way of being in the world. So I kind of end up the guy doing data about people's experience, their happiness and well-being. It's sort of a kind of merging between the two. And and rather strangely, or maybe not, my psychotherapeutic training has really influenced my statistics in that I create statistics to change. Psychotherapy is helping people change individually i create statistics to try and change groups to bring into awareness what's going on for them and give them better choices about how to uh to be better together so it's actually deeply influential to my to this product particularly uh uh you know friday pulses is designed for teams to talk better with each other which is sort of a group therapy if you want but that's taking it a bit far but i mean it's, it's sort of to try and just help people have better conversations yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, uh, Nick, it seems really current at this time. You know, there's, there's been so much conversation around mental health, um, you know, post-COVID and everything that's happening. But when Friday Pulse first started, what was that sort of original problem you were trying to solve? I'd love to... Okay, I'll, I'll tell you how Friday Pulse started. I worked in the think tank work. So I, I used to advise Tony Blair and then David Cameron governments on how to measure well-being. And someone once said to me in my think tank... Um, Nick, I think we should do something consulting around well-being, but I'd like it to be a product, not a service. And that was an interesting idea because think tanks tend to sell time. And so I started thinking about how could you create something that, that was sort of interactive. And as someone that's designed questionnaires, I always used to like the sort of cosmopolitan magazines, like mostly A's, mostly B's, mostly C's. You tick the boxes, you find out something. So I wanted to create something that, that helped with that. So it started off as a well-being at work tool, not so much aimed at the teams. And it evolved over time as I sort of got more experienced, it became simpler, more focused. I mean, if I look back at my first surveys, they were way too complicated. And 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 hmm. and so I think that I think that's got to be something that you try and do when you're creating a business is you aim for that simplicity, but the hard-earned simplicity the one beyond the complexity, not the, I mean, sometimes things are just come out. The thing is very simple. Maybe some people can do that. I have to go through a lot of complexity to get to the simplicity. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that's, it's, it takes some time for um, you to kind of get to that simplicity, but you always launch launch with, you know, a whole range of different products and kind of see what sticks. Um, I'm interested to find out what that range of products you spoke about, the complexity of forms and surveys and, and, you know, when you're starting out, you kind of, you need people to fill out these surveys. Otherwise, there's no point of putting it out there. So, you know, what did you start with? So we started off selling well-being at work audits. Um, so that's what we called them. We can audit your company for well-being. Um, you know, I was an experienced statistician of how you measure well-being, how you measure the drivers of it. And created a tool which was, looked kind of nice, but was... I thought theoretically really strong, but practically too complicated. 
but we sold it, you know, it, it sold and it eventually became a happiness at work survey. We linked up with the late, great Tony Shea, if you know Tony Shea from Zappos. Um, he, he founded something called Delivering Happiness. So we started working with them. We did their happiness surveys for them for about five years. Um, and then just it was a it was a moving towards simplicity from there was was really was really the thing. And and actually I always talked about well-being very dynamic, but I wasn't actually measuring it dynamically. And so somewhere along the line, the idea came that we should measure every week rather than once a quarter or once a year. So we moved slightly away from being a diagnostic towards being a real-time pulse over the last five years. Yeah. And I, I mean, sort of 10 years ago, we're talking, or just short of 10 years ago, you know, only in the kind of past two or three years has this acceleration happened in mental health where, you know, companies, yeah. whether it's for the right reason or not, are tending to allocate budget, whether that be from a human resources perspective or all the way from the EXCO board. Um, they are allocating resources, time and money towards this initiative. What was it like back then, you know, over nine years ago, were companies kind of jumping at this to be like, well, if I improve my way of working, then surely I'm going to improve my output or what was their thinking? Well, I mean, there, there is definitely a business case for it. I think there's a strong business case for it, a strong return on investment even. So um, definitely the world is changing and it's opening up to it. I still think we're a bit ahead of the curve. I think people are talking a lot about mental health. I think they're thinking quite individually. I would like people to, to really uh, engagement, you know, engagement has been around employee engagement has been around for like 30 years, really 1990s. It really started to take off. I think it's there's been billions wasted on engagement. You know, <laughs> I mean, literally billions wasted on it, you know, poor surveys, poor idea about what it means. What does engagement even mean? You know, I don't think people know. I mean, yes, it's, it's basically a code word for productivity. It's saying, can we get more out of you and pay you the same money, which is a really poor offer to the employee. And so I'm more interested in how do we create something which is a win-win. And I think thinking about can you make a job that you enjoy is a much better offer to an employee. So I've been trying to get that, that far. And I think we're still ahead of the curve, um, but the world is coming around to our way of thinking. You know, we mm. see it with the pressure for a four-day week. We see it with, the, you know, working from home, what's hybrid. You know, we're really trying to think about this stuff. And, um, and it's very chaotic out there at the moment. There's just so many... I think there's a lot of poor products. I would say that. <laughs> um, I think there's very few. And obviously we go right through to gym membership, to meditation, to back massages. They're all done in the spirit of wellness and well-being. There's nothing wrong with them, except they have no RRI. They have no return on investment. I really don't think they're getting it. And I think that organizations need to think a lot more carefully about where, where mm. both sides are going to get benefit not only the employees the employer too and i think that's the space engagement was all about the employer some of the wellness mm. stuff is all about the employee you've got to find something that wins for both yeah what's interesting is that these days mm. there's so many different platforms for people to have their own voice you know especially a platform like linkedin which uh, originally sort of started out as simply connecting you know colleagues or employees has now sort of changed into its its own narrative and it's a completely different product to what it was, you know, uh, when, it's, when it started out. 10 years ago, when you were testing your MVP in the market, what was that initial adoption like? 
and you know there must have been quite an education phase for for Friday Pulse and sort of ed- educating this exactly what the power of <laughs> I think I think I was quite naive and you know I, I was coming out of I came off a big success you did I did a TED talk in 2010 and it went ballistic and to be honest I probably got a little arrogant and just thought I'll do something and people will buy from Nick Marks yeah and I think I didn't think enough about what the product was really doing I thought about how I wanted to measure stuff and how I thought, because that's what you do in the think tank world. You, you basically, you're, you're, you're barracking governments about, you know, that you somehow know better than them. And I didn't really understand the sales process as I started. I just thought we had a good idea. And I think that's been the learning is to really, and I, and that, you know, we were talking just before we went on air and you said mm-hmm. you thought our website looked great. And I think it's messaging isn't quite right yet. I think we've got to still understand more what, what what people are looking to solve i know we've got a really smart solution uh in the sense that but you can't just have a solution and try and fit mm. it to other people's questions you've got to think about what the question and i think it's about quality of management quality of team leadership i think what the real thing is is that you know there's that old saying people join an organization but they leave they leave a manager that's actually poor organization because the organization isn't supporting the manager to be the best manager they can be. And I think really that's where I want to take our messaging is that actually a happy team is a successful team. That's a truth for certain. If you think back to your most, your best experiences working, you'll have got on with your teammates. You'd have felt you've got the same vision. You're working in the same direction. That's exhilarating when you work in a great team. It's fantastic for everybody, for the business, for you. That's difficult to achieve. Friday Pulse will help team leaders who are often promoted out of their depths, you know, promoted, you know, because they're good at their technical things, because they've been there a long time, because they see it as their only career progression. They, mm. But they get so little support about how to talk to people. And talking to people is not difficult, but it does need to be regular and it does take time. And, you know, there are neuroscientists that talk about the fact that the reason we've got the big, large prefrontal cortex is, mm. is not for problem solving. It's for relationships. Relationships are the most difficult things that we navigate. You know, I would bet you both and all listeners that your most difficult experiences Maybe apart from a health problem, but apart from that is relationships. You know, they're infuriating, whether they're romantic relationships or family relationships or friendships, you know, things go wrong and they're different. Team is a network of relationships you're suddenly responsible for. This is difficult, but the way to the way to be better at it is to have good conversations each week. And, you know, it's to be on top of things, to be brave and open and talk openly and listen, listen, listen. And I think that's what, is crying out for a product platform. And that's how I'm trying to take our product platform. It's got a statistical angle to it, absolutely, because numbers are the language of business. But it is actually, does it help teams have better conversations together? Um, yeah. Sorry, I'll get a bit passionate about it. Yeah, I think communication is, 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 is such a, you know amazing skill to have uh, as an employee, as a manager, as a, as a leader. Um, communicating yeah. what your value proposition is as a business is also a really good skill to have. You know, were there any 
uh, sort of big obstacles, uh, you know, within in in the past ten years that you've, you've uh, come pricing, across. I think is really really uh, difficult, you know, and how you know we're, we're going and, for and a classic SaaS, you know, B two B SaaS product. I I found this really difficult to know what you give away and what you charge for. I find that very difficult. You know, the 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 worry is is if you give something away, people will never value it. So how do you do that? Uh, but if you don't give it away, people expect to have free things. So this whole freemium, free trial, how you do that is I, I found really, really difficult. And I've had such conflicting advice, you know. I mean, I'm a first time set up a business. I've founded teams that have been very successful in the not-for-profit world that have been around mm. ideas, but a business thing. And, and I, I've, I, I've got my head swayed by people, you know, saying, oh, you've got to go for the big clients because you get, you know, 10 contracts like that and you've got everything sorted. Other people say, no, you've got to go for the thousand small ones. You've got to do it less. And, and I, I found that very hard. And in the end, I, I think I've had to go with my instinct, which is that we're a product for SMEs really in the sense that the big market is, Big market is the procurement is so difficult down. It's it's not ready to humanize yet. And smaller businesses are much more proximal to people and more are more engaged with their people. So I think that's our market. And so that's how we've pivoted really over the last two, three years. Yeah. So nice over time that you speak about, you know, starting broad and then narrowing down to be specific on both the product side and then going into the, you know, the SMEs and focusing on that. And to some degree, they hand in hand, you know, you're only going to specify and be more tight on your product features. If you know your ideal customer and now you have these SMEs yeah. and you can work out more their pain points versus, you know, an enterprise is completely different to, you know, a startup. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, you you focused on obviously acquisition and getting these SMEs into the company, but then, and that's one metric for Friday Pulse's growth, but then there's a retention piece where, you know, you actually need them to use the product and, you know, you need people to engage with it and then you need the employees to engage with it and then you need HR and then you need the managers to react in some way. Oh, so what we, we have specific really metrics good are you annual retention rates, any sort of retention of stakeholders um, that you're watching? We're quite lucky with the product. We have an early warning, which is response rates to our surveys, which we have on a weekly and a quarterly basis. So if we see a client's response rates dropping, you know, we can intervene quite early. Um, so um, we, we, we look a lot at response rates um, within the product and, Falling response rates is obviously a sign that we have an account at risk. So um, in that sense, it's not just, we do know how our clients are using the product. Um, so I, that those are the metrics we really watch. So a weekly response rates. Uh, we, we often, often have it that a client has good response rates in some parts of the business and poor in other parts of the business. So we talk to them about how they can raise them, what they can learn from these teams. And sometimes it's purely functional. And, you know, we are a tool that works predominantly digitally. And some of our clients have teams that aren't very digital. And so the response rates are always harder for them in those parts. And so, you know, there's things like that that we're quite on top of. Um, definitely having a relationship with our clients really helps. Luckily, we're a product that people like talking about, you know, who doesn't want to talk about happiness a bit. 
you know, and uh, so in that way, that that's quite good. So we have very enthusiastic clients. Um, we don't do enough of yet of getting them to refer us on. That's a big growth opportunity for us is how do we help our existing clients refer us to new clients? We haven't got much of an upsell. I mean, I know a lot of people will have clients and then they'll be upselling to them. We don't have much of an upsell because we don't really do training and consultancy. We're trying to be a pure SaaS product mm. because otherwise you're going to have to scale people so much if we do went down the training and consultancy route. So we're trying, whether that's right or wrong, that's a, that's a decision to try and do that. Yeah, I think over time, you kind of, uh, as you said, you optimizing your uh, ideal target market that you're going after. Now you have these these SMEs and then you're focusing on the product. And over time, the sort yeah. of third part to that is sales and, you know, trying to figure out what works and what sticks. And what you're speaking about is, you know, post-sale where there's retention and, and drop-off there. What, what does growth look like? For you and you know over the, over so the we've past couple of years the learnings that you've experienced for, since the beginning of for COVID, acquiring COVID. these businesses um, and we've had a slight drop in the in the annual contract value so we've gone slightly smaller down there so our revenues up about three times um i i would like to go quicker <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it's it's solid and i think the thing is that you know, I, I think we have good product market fit. I think most of our stuff is now about top of the funnel is bringing people in. We've got good retention rates. Of course, we lose some clients. You know, of course we do. Uh, but but uh, and of course, I, and I, I don't have a totally firm grasp, which I think people do need is on the unit economics of how much it's worth keeping a client. You know, really, I think as you get bigger and bigger, you really need to be on top of those metrics. Like it is worth us investing this much to keep this client. I don't think I have that. We don't have an easy figure for that yet at the moment. We we try hard to keep everybody and it might be we're overspending in that area, if you get what I mean. I think there's a possibility. Um, but the, the top of the funnel, I think, because the market is so large, I think that we've got good retention rates. It's really just getting more people to hear about us. And I, and I would say that that's why I say, I think we need to get our messaging better on our website in a way. We've just introduced the, we've, we've had a free trial now for a, quite a long time, but we've just introduced a free team. So any single team can use our product. So, um, and, and that's a sort of, you know, that's a, a permanent offer in the sense that, you know, it's not like you can use it free for six months. You can use it for free if you're one team. If, if you want to unlock multi-team functions, you pay. So up to up to 11 people can use our product for free. And the reason we said it is 11 is because that's a football team. And I think that's that's the sort of that's the largest team. <laughs> Once it goes above that and you're into rugby, you've got forwards and backs. You've split into two nice. American football, <laughs> offense, defense, special teams. So yeah. I think 11 is the biggest team. That's my take. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's a uh, Nick. That's amazing. Um, so now that you know that's a, a feature that you've just launched recently, what does the the rest of the roadmap look like? So we, we've got quite a lot of internal features, reporting features. We're always improving those features um, that you release next. So uh, we're improving our 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 way that we try and enhance response rates. So we we do it at the moment through my team supporting our contact in the organization, but we need to automate that process. So that's a product feature really where basically, you know, we're, we're making, you know, I think of statistics as acting like a mirror and showing you where you are. 
So we need to show our clients where they are with response rates better. Possibly, I think we're going to trial something, which is that, so we basically, the surveys tend to open on a, on a Thursday or Friday because they're at the end of the week and they close on a Monday or possibly a Tuesday morning because quite a lot of people don't work Mondays or whatever. I think in that Monday morning, we, we could be doing an intervention, which is sending to team leaders only 50% of your team responded so far because that actually allows them to intervene and get it up in real time. So I think we need a bit more real time there, if you get what I mean. So there's some, some features that, but the main thing that's about retention. The main thing is we need to do is, is say top of the funnel. So it's referral scheme. So we're about to launch a introduce anyone to the free team and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll uh, plant a tree to say, thank you. Uh, and you know, trying to get to harness the goodwill of our existing clients more um, as because everyone's got a brother, sister, cousin who works somewhere else, you know, doesn't have yeah. to be even a business contact. And so if you're enjoying using the tool, tell people about it. So I guess that's, that's one of our things we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you spoke about intervening. Um, you, know, you spoke about it earlier with with the company and whether there's going to be a retention break or whether there's you know only fifty percent of the surveys being filled out. Uh, I'm sure you have some deep psychology behind the actual usage there of intervening and you know being overbearing, where you come across as you know there's so many meditation apps out there or anxiety apps that you know you log on to and <laughs> they're prompting you every single log on saying you know how are you feeling today. How are you feeling today? Are you still feeling horrible? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. How do you kind so of manage that balance? You more anxious, what, does that, yeah. <laughs> what does that look like from your side? How do you perceive it? So you have to make it. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're filling out a test. So the way we do you, that is around you know, the conversation. So we're asking people, yeah, how happy were you were, but we also ask people to share what was a success for them this week. Do they want to thank anybody? And so we try and get what I call positivity resonance flowing around the team. Have they got a frustration? So we're basically trying to pick up friction and flow on a weekly basis. So just like a tech team does a retrospective who works agilely, we're trying to do that for their culture and the way they work together. But then we package that up so that the team can talk about it. So I think a bit, a bit like HelloFresh, you know, HelloFresh that deliver a meal to you. So they deliver you the ingredients and the, and the recipe so we deliver a recipe for a team yep. meeting and the ingredients for that team meeting to a team leader every Monday morning. So here are the things your team, you know, saying is, 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 is going well, you know, here are the things they aren't, this is what you need to talk about. And so that, if you get that right, then it becomes in their self-interest to fill out any response space to look after themselves. Cause if people just answer into a black box, why the hell should they answer you? You've got to make it in their self-interest. So you're, you're there to help, Everybody from the, you know, from the, someone wrote this line for me. It's so tacky from the shop floor to the top floor, but you know, from the shop floor to the top, you've got to get them all wanting to, to engage. Uh, and, and, and it's in their self-interest. If you get people's self-interest going, then that's it. That's the invisible hand of economics. That self-interest is what drives things. So you have to get it in people's self-interest. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, it's just that fine line that you're trying to balance where, you know, you're also empowering the person that they feel that, you know, they are part of this change and 
you know, by participating, they, but, I mean, that's the thing. And, and I think the, the individual apps underestimate the importance of social motivation. Um, so look at something like, I mean, you've heard of park run, you know, where people run 5Ks in their local park. The reason it works is because it's a community event. If you just said to people individually, go and run 5K, some would, but most wouldn't, yeah? Get it a community event and it happens. And that's why... I'm interested in the team as being the point of intervention yeah. rather than the individual about this, because then I think if you get that together, then people, one, they're motivated to do it with other people. They enjoy it more, but they also don't want to let their colleagues down. So you get this really good uh, yeah, way of it, of it holding together. Yeah. Now there's uh, when, you're a founder or whether you're looking up to a founder and trying to, you know, study their patterns and, and how they work over time, there's uh, time plays such an in, impactful role. You know, when you're starting out as a founder, there's all of this testing and there's kind of that um, huge steep hill that you're going up and it seems like there's no end, but, you know, you're now over nine years later and, you know, somewhere, some people look at that and go, you know, to, business that doesn't need to change. There's no adaptations required. They've learned everything possible and, you know, everything's kind of smooth sailing from here and they're building revenue month on month, three Xing, even 10 Xing. Um, and, you know, it's not like that. The, the reality is, is that, you know, the world's changing very fast and so is your market. So are your people and the way that they interact with the product is forever changing. Um, I'm interested to find out what, how your, kind of mindset to to the businesses change oh i think i from the initial very naive three years or so to how you perceive guy. it now i i was coming out of think tank world on the success i had i could charge a lot for my public speaking and i used my public speaking to fund the first five years of the business you know i could command big fees for it and i said i just plowed them into the business and i think i wasted a lot of money in some ways but i learned a lot so it's hard to know it probably was an atypical start and because i'm also coming from a perspective where i'm really trying to challenge the way that businesses measure people's experience probably i'm i'm probably trailblazing a little bit more than some people are it's not like you're trying to take something and improve it which goodness me there's space for i, I don't have a critique of that i think i i went for the what do they, they call it a blue ocean strategy. I'm just going to create a whole new thing, which is, you know, having done that in the think tank world where, you know, I really did make an influence on the UK government and I got a Ted talk and I sort of kind of just felt a bit on top of the world. I just thought oh, I'll do it again in business. And I think it's been a lot harder, but if, if we, I do feel now we have the right product. I can't remember what you're saying. So how different are we from, from, from eight, 10 years ago? Massively, we're so much more focused, so much more know what we're doing. We've got a product platform that works. Yes, I can think of incremental improvements, but really it is about scaling now. And I, 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 I hope that the world is ready for us now. They weren't ready for us 10 years ago. <laughs> Cool. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a business that uh, will be seeing some exciting growth right now. I think they've they you know waited, or or when it started ten years ago, it was probably incredibly difficult to communicate their value proposition. And I think now that's the it's the mental health is such a current conversation that the adoption is going to be you know, accelerating during this time. Yeah. 
I mean, so many successes of business have been just timing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not to say that, you know, the first sort of six years were not successful, but, you know, to to build such an amazing foundation over six years, and then you have this amazing acceleration where every single business in the world is trying to better their mm-hmm. workplace. But yeah, I mean, I think if you just, as a founder, you just have to keep sticking at it. If, it, if you really believe in what you're building, you just got to keep going because you never know what's going to happen in the, in the future. You never know how these, how the sort of current conversations in the world are going to change and evolve into something that suits your value proposition. Yeah. And I mean, you know, his product is, is so specific and he's, he's gotten there over loads of testing loads of research and you know as he said he thought he was just going to put out a product and it would be making you know millions and growing month on month but you know he's now gotten to a place where he's built a very streamlined product and he's on what i would that as well yeah, yeah and you know he's not um he's not scared to say no to certain features you know there's yeah. like uh employee uh products like gusto and all of these other hr products that offer the world to companies and here he is going, you know, I believe in my product and I believe in its impact and I believe in its value. And, you know, I'm going to charge for it. 100%. That's uh, Nick Marks from Friday Pulse. Uh, an amazing episode that I hope you all enjoyed and, you know, great to really hear nine years down the line, nine and a half years down the line and, you know, he's found amazing product market fits and you know he's building month on month revenue and we'll catch up with him in a couple of months once he started testing his pricing once he started testing more features out um, otherwise we'll catch you guys next week for another episode of my product tested